Hi, this is Pastor Ryan Spooner. I'm so glad that you're listening to our sermon podcast. I hope it's a blessing. If you live in the area, or even if you don't, we would love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. We meet at 10.30 a.m. at the Millworks in Willington, Connecticut, 156 River Road. Also, if you'd ever like to help support our church financially, we would be extremely grateful. You can donate through our website, stpaulschurchct.org. Thanks. Great to be here this morning and looking forward to sharing what God has laid on my heart. And we'll be in Romans chapter 12, verses uh, 1 and 2. Have you ever sat down in the morning or in the evening and said you're just sick and tired of it all? Have you ever said I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired? Maybe every day. Our world certainly can throw a lot at us and the culture around us and the challenges therein. But oftentimes when I'm working with people, they're coming in because something is ailing them. There's something in their life that's causing a disturbance, something in their life that needs to be changed. And oftentimes, people will take the uh, courageous step of doing a New Year's resolution. Now, it's already March, so by the stats that go out, if anybody in here did a New Year's resolution in January, I won't have you raise your hands because 80% of you probably have already dropped it. <laughs> and that's the statistic. So the, oftentimes people are making resolutions about their mental health. They want to improve fitness. They want to perhaps change their diet, lose some weight, improve their finances, maybe improve relationships, maybe start their own business and do something. Uh, but again, the failure rate is about 80%. And why is that? Why is it that people are so emotionally invested in a future that they truly desire, but yet fall by the wayside. We'll talk more about that this morning. Let me pray. God, thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that we can stand here this morning and sing our love for you. And God, when your love meets our love, amazing things happen. Thank you for the opportunity this morning. May our hearts be open to receive what it is that you have for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Romans 12. 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. This has been one of the verses that have guided my process of becoming a counselor, working in machine shop and factory work and then going to school full-time when I had children and my wife, two, two daughters at home. But I really began to sense a desire and also like a, a kind of a push. Anybody ever been pushed by God <laughs> in a direction? And, uh, and I got into counseling. I didn't go back to school till I was 36 didn't finish my master's. I was already in my 40s, early 40s. I'm in my wisdom years now. So, The message says this, Romans 12, 2. So here's what I want you to do. 
God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into what, uh, fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognizing what He wants from you and quickly responding to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. You like that version? I do. It seems to me that the crux of the problem then with giving up on New Year's resolutions and not making the changes in our lives that we often want or desire is because we haven't taken the time to do the inner journey. You know, there's a fallacy in our culture right now and, and we tend to buy into the idea that something outside of me is going to fix what's wrong inside of me. The next shiny car, the next shiny, for me, next shiny motorcycle, the next thing, the next material thing, bigger house, whatever, is going to fix what is inside of me. Some new relationship, dropping the past and, and doing things thinking that's going to fix what's wrong inside of me. We all have some need that we're always trying to fill. Perhaps it's with food or some behaviors that actually act and work against us. We do and want these things so that we can feel good on the inside. Often hearing people, I just want to feel happy. I don't feel happy. I don't feel content. I don't feel at peace. It's so often people are searching and striving for finding peace and security and contentment. I would submit that it's the inner journey that will bring you there. First, what has been your journey of life? Think about that. We have, if we do it in stages, we have infancy. You got a little baby here and uh, Bethany with her child. And then you have the toddler years and there's some toddlers here yes and uh, that's not my favorite year <laughs> then you had childhood my favorite years were like 8 9 10 11 those are just like fun years for for my wife and I childhood about that's 3 to 11 years old then you have adolescence isn't that fun and then adulthood you could break adulthood down <laughs> people are shaking their heads about ad adolescence so in all of those experience, all of our cultural influences, all of our family influences, all of the things that we've done have been done to us. The things that we've experienced have added up to the person you are today. The way you think, the way you act, the way you dress, all of it is this culmination of what has happened over the years of development. And certainly over that time, things have happened Perhaps we weren't encouraged or um, uh, blessed in some way, or perhaps things, terrible things have happened to us. And in that way, we come to a place in our lives where there is some brokenness or woundedness in the innermost place. And again, the tendency, especially in evangelical Christianity in the United States, 
there's a tendency to try to fix things by increasing our head knowledge. I've been to so many seminars, I've been to school, I've been to seminary, you know, learning all these things, and we're trying to always go to the next seminar. And there's good things that happen in those seminars, but often, if you look at people, talk with them, often after the impact of that seminar begins to fade, you kind of go back to the old ways. The change doesn't happen. We're trying to fix what's inside from, again, something from the outside, filling our heads with knowledge. So the inner journey is about seeking the mechanisms or the patterns of thinking and the, that we're doing to find fulfillment. The inner journey is about looking at our life's goals and finding out what's important to us as an individual. For the Christian, what does it mean? To be fully who God has created us to be. Everyone in here is different. God has created each one of us with a unique ability, a, a unique um, thing to do in this world, a unique place carved out to contribute. Do you know what that is? Are you walking in it? I've had people ask me, Fritz, you, you happy with being a counselor? Yes. There isn't anything else. Absolutely convinced this is where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing and loving it. Is it challenging? Yes. But I know this is what God has called me to. There is such, re I was going to say relief in that. There's such joy in it. So we have this inner journey that I'm encouraging us to consider this morning. And so what are the results of inner change? I would submit it works out. It's a working out into a life of fulfillment, of purpose, of peace. And in fact, Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God, which we have the kingdom of God within us, and we're in it now, it's also going to come. That's a whole other sermon that I'm sure Pastor Ryan may address at some point. But this kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. Would you be willing to examine yourself? When was the last time you had an extended time of knowing that the righteousness of Christ is fully on you, that you're set free, free from judgment, free from shame? When was the last time you fully felt that peace and were at rest in the Lord? It's possible, even with what's going on in the world around us. It has to be. Peace and joy. When was the last time we, we sang up here? The, the songs were just amazing. God put those together today for me. But the song we sang, you know, we love you, Lord. We love you, God. Have you ever considered that God is with us right now saying, I love you too, brother and sister. I'm right here. I'm listening. I'm paying attention. I'm speaking to you right here, right now being in that place of understanding and just feeling the love of God. To feel that, I believe, leads to a place of exuding joy and happiness. So most people, and I'm going to do a little diagram here, if we have to think about this. I'm famous for my stick figures. This is no... <laughs> so we got birth... To the glorious wisdom years, all right? And we have all of these experiences in life. And if we say this is the present moment, 
All of the things we... Now think about it. How often are you sitting quietly thinking about how you messed up or what happened to you or what was done to you? You're thinking about those things. And then we have these memories coming back to us all the time of the times perhaps we fell short or we didn't do it quite right. And for some people, they get so hooked on that. And now, if it was trauma, there is no question about it, that trauma, because it was so impactful emotionally, sticks in the brain much more deeply. And so then we're focused on it, focused on it, focused on it. And then, because of that, we begin to anticipate our future. Well, if that's the way it was in the past, it's probably going to be the same way in the future. You may not think that, but I will guarantee you, if this is what you're thinking about, it's almost like you're predicting what your future is going to be. I think that's hard for people to grab a hold of. Another way to think about this, a professor in a seminary said it like this, we live in the present, we live in the present through the past in anticipation of our future. Therefore, all of these past experiences and the weight of emo the emotional weight of those experiences impact how we think about life and our future. So most people, day by day, they think the same thoughts, make the same choices, demonstrate the same behaviors, which again creates the same experiences, sets off the same reactions in our brain, in our limbic system, and we produce the same emotions, and it's just like turning the lights on and lights off in our brain. In fact, the studies now show that stress, this kind of stress turning on and turning off our genetic code, actually contributes to disease, contributes to ill health. So how would you describe your emotional life every day? If you had to be honest, what are you thinking about? How do you experience the day? How would others best describe you? How would your husband or wife best describe you? That's a scary thought. If we were to take a slideshow up here and, and put the, what you think about each and every day up on the screen, you've probably heard this analogy before and just like put it before us. Most of us would probably be embarrassed with some of the stuff that would go up there, but also very shamed. We don't want it to go up there. And the, the question is, I, I do this with people all the time, and considering about paying attention to our thinking, what you're thinking about. When I ask people to start doing that, they come, sometimes they come back in and they say, I can't believe how screwed up my thinking is. You know, and then you wonder why life is so challenging. So the emotions of stress and frustration, anger, hostility, impatience, fear, anxiety, worry, guilt, shame, jealousy, competition, judgment, these are all created, or these all create the hormones of stress. Now those, descript, those words kind of describe at times the culture around us. And what are you doing? We have this limbic system, the fight or flight system that gets kicked in. We can kick it in just by thinking about it. How many times have you ever just been sitting in a chair, maybe relaxing, and a worrisome thought comes in, and whoop, and off goes the limbic system, and then you're beginning, this is what panic attacks people who have them, they get dysregulated, they make the um, amygdala gets dysregulated, and they can just, by a thought alone, have a panic attack. 
so we know this happens. I remember I was hunting in, uh, in um, New Hampshire, uh, and I was walking up a hill. The sun was coming up. It was cold. There was snow on the ground. There were deer tracks. Oh, yeah, deer, you know. So I'm getting up. I come over this little crest, and I see the deer, and the deer sees me. We both freeze. <laughs> We're both staring at each other. Well, it was a doe. This was Vermont, actually. It was a doe. You can't shoot does in Vermont at that time. Um, I said, well, so much for that. Well, the doe must know that she couldn't be shot. <laughs> she just stood there and looked at me. And the sun was coming up. This, this deer walked just a few yards, like over to my side, and there was a bed of ferns. So the green ferns coming out of the snow, the sun shining down, that deer laid right in the middle of that snow and rested. So what did I do? I found a tree just a little ways away and I sat down, put my gun down, and I rested and I watched. And we just communed for about, I don't know, maybe a half hour, just sat and watched. Part of me was thinking, I wonder if a buck will come by. <laughs> um, but the other part of me, I don't hunt anymore. I've come to the place where I just found that I enjoyed being in the woods more than I did shooting anything. So, But that experience, the doe, fight or flight, but then immediately come back to a place of relaxing. Animals can do that. We humans, we have a hard time doing that unless we practice it. And so this fight or flight causes all kinds of problems. If you've been traumatized, uh, PTSD and things like that, your, your system is on all the time, all the time, all the time. And that's what wears people down over a period of time. So in some ways, we're a bit addicted to our feelings and emotions. We think the same way. When I'm considering that, I think of the words that the Apostle Paul says. He said, wretched man that I am, who's going to rescue me from this body of death? Well, that's a good question. I think Paul, as he, we see Paul's maturing in the faith over time, began to have answers to that question. And so can we. So what can we do? So this morning, I'm not taking too deep of a dive into that Romans verse, but using it to kind of guide my presentation, how do we engage in that journey? I wanted to give you just a few tools that could assist you in going along in that inner journey. And it's reflection, contemplation, and meditation. So RCM, RCM. If you want to remember that, just look at me up here, put an R on my forehead, C on my mouth, and an M on my chest. It's like, that's how I remember Fritz, R-C-M. And you could even put a color on it. That's a little mnemonic trick to try to remember something. So reflection, contemplation, meditation. Colossians 1.27 said, there's a mystery. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, the hope is inside here. Christ abiding with us and being with us. Philippians, I often quote this for people in my office, Philippians 4. It says, by, be thankful, by prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God so that the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. There's a process we can engage in. There's an inner journey that we can do. I would submit if that you can learn to be in the present moment, learn how to breathe properly. Most people don't know how to do that well and teach yourself to express some unsuppressed emotions and learn to let go 
you will experience inner change. Studies show that by doing these practices of reflection, contemplation, meditation, that you can actually lower um, the possibility of disease, create health, lower inflammation, and it turns on good genes, turns off bad genes. More and more of these studies are showing this. So how do we do that? How do we do this reflection or change, inner journey? We change by entering into reflection. This verse in Romans, it says, I urge you to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, which is your spiritual service of worship. It's really taking time. This is, I hear this always, and I even sometimes, I don't have time to engage in the spiritual practices. My day is too busy. And when I start to investigate, I often find out that this phone is taking up much more time. If you would, like, cut this time in half, you would have time to do these spiritual practices. We're so busy with the TV or with the phone or with the iPad, I'm encouraging you to engage in in the process. Decide what you want to change and commit the time to practice the discipline. Take the time for some reflection. So how do you do reflection? Basically, think about what you're thinking about. What are you thinking about? Even right now, what are you thinking about? Oh, Fritz is boring. I don't know if I agree with him. Who is this guy? I actually kind of like him. I like that thought. All right, so we're always like sitting and we're always in this place of judging. Are you able to sit and just receive, open-minded, to consider, God, what do you have for me here this morning? God, what are you doing in my heart and my mind? Why did I just react to my wife the way I just reacted? When we're triggered with something, what is that about? <clears throat> Reflection is to think about what you're thinking about, to be aware of our biases and our preferences. It, we all have them. There isn't anybody in here that doesn't have a bias or some preference or judgment or opinion. If I started getting into politics, I could probably stir this room up in, really, in a bad way, I'm sure. We all have them, and I think it's important to know that we have them. So being open to consider, especially notice if you're frustrated, impatient, if you're critical, if you're complaining all the time, if you're angry, because when you do these things, I'll guarantee you, your heart is beating out of rhythm. You're not in homeostasis. You're probably in the fight or flight. Take a few minutes. You can do this. I always encourage people, like, do it. You've got a day schedule. You're already probably busy. Like, slip it into what you're already doing. And actually, some studies show that this is actually the best way to put in new habits. Slip it into something you're already doing. You have a cup of coffee in the morning? Sit in a chair, and when you're drinking it, just reflect. When you take a break at work, or you're in your car driving, you know, you've got to pay attention to driving, but you're taking some time just to reflect. What am I thinking about? After a fight, especially for uh, couples, after a fight, to step back and say, okay, what was that about, and what is my part in it? What could I do differently? That's reflection. It's recognizing my thoughts reflecting on them, and choosing to resolve them in some way. Sometimes people have the shoulds, right? 
and people just should. They pile up the shoulds, and I'm always telling people to stop shooting on themselves, right? You pile them up, pile them up. And that's often because you missed something, didn't do something, forgot to call somebody. Um, so rather than sit in the shoulds and beat yourself up, recognize it. You're allowing it to come up. Recognize it and then take some action. Have the should indicate that there's some action that needs to take happen. Perhaps forgiveness. Perhaps it's I got to make a call. This happened to me just the other day. Somebody, hey, did my uh, Grace is my admin person. said, did you call so-and-so? I said, oh. Man, I totally, totally forgot. And so what did I do? Rather than sit in shame or guilt or the shoulds, no, I just immediately went over to the phone and made the call. Uh, you begin to take action. So this is one way. So for reflecting on, think about what you're thinking about. This is actually a higher level of cognition to be able to step back and consider, what am I thinking about? And how is it impacting my life? Do I like it? If I don't like it, then I need to change my thinking. So that's reflection. The second one is contemplation. This one goes a little deeper. Renew your mind through contemplation. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So contemplation is really sitting back and saying, you know, what do I believe? And how could I be impacting the people around me in a much better way, maybe more love? This is a great way to take a piece of scripture if you've got a favorite piece of scripture and sitting in your chair, maybe again with your cup of coffee and just thinking about it. When it says, you know, let the word of God dwell within you richly. Like, sit and think, what does that mean to allow the word of God to dwell in me richly? Contemplating. This is a great way to pray. Oftentimes when people are praying, we're often like asking God for things all the time. But are we sitting and listening? What is God speaking to me? It's looking thoughtfully at something for a long time. It's deep reflection. God's word again, gratitude, thankfulness, and prayer. One of the things I like to encourage people to do is when you're praying is aligning your thinking with what's true about God. So I'm going to spoil it for some people in here. When you hear leaders or when you hear yourself praying, think about what people are saying. So when people say something like, I don't want to pick on anybody, look at anybody. <laughs> like, we often before services pray, God be with us. Now there's nothing particularly, there's nothing wrong with that prayer. But what is the truth? Here he is, he's here. So, God, might our hearts and minds be open to what you want to speak to me this morning. Now that's a prayer that to me seems to make sense because... If there's something between me and God, it's, it's going on in my head here. So think about what you're praying about. Let me just say, if somebody is sick, uh, is anybody named Sally in here? Oh, there is. All right, so I won't use Sally. <laughs> and I know there's a Susan in here. Let me think. I've got to think of a name here. Um, Kelly, any Kellys in here? Good, okay. So let's just say Kelly is sick. We hear that Kelly is sick. She's got some disease, and Kelly is sick. So sometimes people will be praying and say, God, we just pray, if it be your will, would you heal Kelly? God, if it be your will, would you be with Kelly right now? Think about that. What's, what is actually that? Well, let me say it this way. I would rather pray, 
God, I pray your blessing of healing on Kelly. Because here's the truth. God is always wanting healing. When it happens, it's not up to me. That I trust God with. That make sense? So whether it's now, sometime in the future, or in the life after, God will heal. But I trust him in his timing. It's a more powerful way. If you change this in your prayer alone, you will begin to see that your life will begin to change. You're praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're praying God's truth out loud. As we're praying, do that. Think about, is the way I'm speaking lining up with what I believe about God and what it says in his word? So that's another way with contemplation. When we're doing it, when we're practicing even gratitude, if you would do this 10 minutes, two to three times a day. So we're going to say um, contemplation two to three times per day for even 10 minutes. If you just did gratitude, and again, they've done some studies on this, taking some time in gratitude. So somebody give me something that you're grateful for today. Just somebody want to be brave and speak it out. What are you grateful for today? Marriage. marriage. Grateful for your marriage. When you think, now here's the thing. When you think about, I'm grateful for our marriage, if you sit and contemplate a little bit, what emotion comes up for you? Happiness. See? You're, you're doing a deeper dive. You're helping your brain attach to positive emotions. I'm happy for my marriage. You know, that. see how that works? So if you just did that, take two or three things that you're grateful for, and, well, how does, how does that make me feel? And that will be helpful. That's like this gratitude and, and um, or caring for others, praying in a positive way, uh, praying powerful prayers. It's like a putting a pebble in a pond, like one after another. And it begins to ripple, right? And those ripples begin to create a rhythm. And as you're doing it, it, you actually start to create a rhythm within your heart. You settle down. You begin to experience peace. And you begin to experience the presence of God in that. It says in Psalm 51, 6, Behold, God, you delight truth in the inner word being. You teach wisdom in the secret heart. That's why it's important to sit and to do this kind of work. All right, what about meditation? Now, when I say meditation, most people, they're like, I don't know, that sounds a little too like Eastern religion or whatever. Um, the mystics and the Orthodox Christians have a tendency to have a better handle on this. But meditation actually is like 23 times in the English version of the Bible. Um, and it's something that many Christians have practiced over the years. I began practicing meditation a few years ago now. I figure I've got to keep practicing what I preach. And so meditation is actually one way to think about it is I'm getting behind my thinking. I'm actually working on being present in the moment. And when I think of this verse here, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is ex good, acceptable, and perfect. It's in that deeper sense, that deeper time with God. Meditation can give you a sense of calm and peace and balance. It can have a positive effect on your emotional well-being, your overall health. Helps you to learn to relax and cope the stress, refocusing your attention on something calm. Medica meditation can help you learn to stay centered and experiencing that inner peace. So often when people are in my office, I, I actually do meditation with them. I teach them hoping to have them have an experience that they will 
go and do it at home. So again, the studies show if you did 12 to 15 minutes, get over the 12 minutes is the most benefit, but even if you did it for five minutes, it would be good. So 12 to 15, so we're going to do, how's that, 12, 12 to 15 minutes here per day? I'm infringing on your day, aren't I? Yeah? So if you did it for, even if it was one or two times a day, if you were to meditate, and there's ways to do that, uh, one is a mindful meditation. And looking at my time. Mindful meditation is like paying attention. So sitting in a chair, I tend to do it laying down um, and just laying flat on my back um, because of a back problem. The chair sometimes can be difficult for me. And then just practicing breathing, taking some deep breaths in. Sometimes those of you who have been connected with me know that I teach two by breathing. It's like four breaths in, eight breaths out through your mouth, you know, doing it. And then letting it all the way out. And when you do that, if you watch people when you do that, actually do it with me. Here you go. Going to work on this this morning. All right. So taking a deep breath in through your nose, breathing in. Hold it. And then exhale all the way. Yeah. Do it again. Breathing in. And exhale. And if you were in my shoes looking out, you could see people's shoulders go down. You could see people's head just rest a little bit. That actually tells your brain everything's okay, everything's at peace, you're okay, you're in a safe place. And doing that, and if you were to do that, get relaxed and start even thinking about getting in touch with your body, just doing like a body scan from your toes. You ever thought about that? You ever like in your mind's eye? Like do it right now. Think about your toes. Don't judge whether they're ugly or pretty. Just think about your toes, right? And you go all the way up. Think about your calves and your knees, your midsection, your chest area, your throat, your head. And you can do that slowly, taking about 10 minutes. Just go up and notice where you're carrying tension. You can do relaxation. You can go online and learn some of this. But relax yourself, and you'll notice that you'll begin to calm down. Now, doing deeper meditation is really interesting, and it is hard to put words to it. Um, all I know is when I do deeper meditation, 30, 45 minutes, there is something different that happens. You are like, and people like talk of out-of-body experiences, and that might get a little too woo-woo for some people, but the idea is you've become so rested. Your heart and your brain are in, they're, they're sinking together, and you're communing with a God who loves you and is present and wants to speak and teach. It's just, it's an amazing thing. And when you do that, we know from the studies, people tend to be less stressed during the day. Your peace carries through more of the day. You tend to be a better person to live with. <laughs> My wife told me one time a couple years ago, don't you ever stop meditating. <laughs> now, does that mean that Fritz doesn't get mad? Yeah, I, I can get mad, but I'm telling you, it might spike up, but I, I settle back down pretty quick. When I look around the world around me and I see the horrors of war and the destruction, when I hear some 
really challenging or difficult stories in my office and my heart gets racing, my heart is pounding and I would just like, I just want to throttle somebody. There's a fierceness side, especially for men, there's a fierceness that God has created us with for purpose of protection. Um, but to be able to settle back down again, I'll start paying attention to my breathing and I can settle back down again in walking in love. So doing these practices is a great way to take the inner journey seriously and doing the work. So we're talking about 10, 20 minutes maybe, 30 minutes, and reflecting kind of like, uh, like um, pepper on, a, on your meal or salt on your meal, doing that during the day. I will guarantee you that inner journey will take you to a place that is so different than what you're experiencing right now. So to practice these things, um, Oh, the one of the other thing is that, well, we did a breath work, body scan. Oh, loving kindness. I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. The world around us is full of challenges, and I really think this is important in light of what's going on in the world, is to practice loving kindness. We know that when, um, you ever been in a worship service when, like, the spirit is moving, people are singing, and, and the spirit is moving? Um, that is really interesting. When we were at his, when I was at his mansion, I was an elder up there teaching we always had time for the what we call the priesthood of believers, and we allowed for about 15 to 20 minutes of just open prayer and people speaking God's word. And I'm telling you, like, sometimes it would sweep. Sometimes it was quiet, not much going on. Other times it was just like boom, 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 and just like stuff is coming out and prayers and tears and just amazing. And so when we're in together, when we're worshiping God, when we're like-minded, we actually get into a synchronicity. We, we synchronize with each other. It's an amazing thing to experience. And this is all, um, so when we, I would submit that if we're practicing the inner journey, doing the work of knowing and believing that we are loved deeply by God as we love him, that we can actually impact the world. I'm less concerned about convincing others of my theological point of view. I'm more concerned about knowing that that person experienced the Jesus in me, the love that has touched me and healed me. That's what our world needs. I don't need to crash into others about theology. In fact, in, in Christianity alone, we have all kinds of theology. I used to be pretty hardcore Calvinist and Arminian and you know, dispensational, whatever, and tend to be more open and relational right now. You can look that one up. Um, and, the, and in that way, if we think about the main attribute of God. Some people would say justice, some mercy. What if it's love? What if God's main attribute is love? How does that impact how he, impact how he thinks about us and the world? I'll come back and speak on that. But, but love. It says in the word that they will know us by our love. Are we doing that? And are we able to do it? I was in, last story here before we pray, I was in Harbor Freight the other day Getting, I just needed a couple of things. And the guy in front of me <clears throat> um, observed him as a man of white skin. And the guy behind me observed him as being Latino. And I'm in the middle. Now the guy in front, he starts talking to the guy behind the cash register, telling him he ought to get a job with the Department of Corrections. Now as a counselor, I know that being a, any correction officers in here? Being in the Department of Corrections is psychologically one of the most challenging and 
negatively impactful jobs you could ever have. And I've worked with corrections officers, and I know it to be true. <laughs> so now this guy in front of me, he's talking about this young man, get into corrections because you could do this, you do this. And I just made the comment, yeah, might as well. I see so many guys jumping out of the corrections department now, retiring. So they are, they're shorthanded. So they're looking for people. Um, so anyways, this conversation starts to go. Now, it was going on much longer than really you ought to have in a shopping line, right? The guy behind me, and now I'm between them, literally like only an arm's length, like this between the two of them. He starts to say, hey, dude, like get going here. I got to get out of here. And so the guy, <laughs> correction guy, and this is why I know correction is so typical. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He turns around. I can see him get angry. You know, how about I give you a couple dollars to take a chill pill? Well, this guy behind me, he lets him have it with some verbal barrage. And I'm like, <laughs> so um, I actually wasn't too worried. I was like, I was actually kind of, it's like I was maintaining my peace. <laughs> so some of you know me, I got a martial arts background. I actually wasn't worried about it. I'd get out of there pretty quick if I needed to. But anyways, so, but that the ability, I was, I was actually, I got into the, he, the guy, the guy in front, he eventually left. They didn't fight in the store, but I figured they're going to get in the parking lot and do it, do each other in, you know, so I'm going to get out of here before that happens. Um, but I went outside. I just talked to the guys. Hey, you know, I'm sorry that got out of hand and, um, I hope you hope you're experiencing some peace. You know, I just went to my truck. So I don't know what happened. But the idea, so being a peaceful presence in the midst of that. If they were standing next to each other, I don't know. Maybe they have gone, maybe they would have fought. But what presence do you have in your marriage, in your work setting, in life in general? I guarantee if you take seriously this verse about doing the inner journey, about taking every thought captive. I guarantee you, you will experience righteousness, peace, and joy. I guarantee you, you'll experience the peace that passes all understanding, strength to face the day. Love will flow more naturally. In fact, it would be the thing that you want to do. My wife, she said, she said something to me the other day, and, and I responded defensively. Um, and uh, I could tell I hurt her feelings, you know. Now, how many of you guys like me, it would have taken you days to apologize for that, if you get ever get to it? How many would be willing to raise their hand and admit that you don't have to? So knowing as I walked away that I just hurt my wife's feelings, you know, immediately, again, turning around. When these things happen, immediately reflecting, Fritz, you just were defensive and you said something that was hurtful, and immediately turning around and apologizing. Not let love be your guide. Nothing, you know, marriages don't fall apart, they drift apart. And often because of words said to each other. Allow love to flow and allow love to be spread around more naturally. If you had to say what the fruit of the Spirit is, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Is that what is flowing out of you? Is that what people sense from you? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. If you're finding your life is not exhibiting those attributes, do some inner journey work. Because when you walk in that, I'm telling you, life is different. You will see the world in a different way. And we can enjoy the presence of God 
and walk with him in the, in the kingdom work that has to happen. Amen? Let's pray. So as we're, the band is coming up and getting ready for communion, here's an opportunity <laughs> to do some reflection or contemplation. And the next song is, You're My Healer, right? So the presence of Jesus is always, he's always healing. Your pastor has been talking about the miracles of Jesus. And we also know that Jesus' work continues. He wants to do a work in your heart, in your mind. That healing continues. He wants to give you his peace. And so, God, I thank you for each person that's here, for the hearts and minds that you know deeply and dearly. And, God, you love deeply and dearly. Because of the work of Christ and the, and the cross, forgiveness is granted to those who come to you and say, God, I'm sorry, and I accept your forgiveness. Clean slate. No shame, no junk from the past that hinders my joy and my happiness. So God, bless each person. Might their hearts be clear as we sing this next song, as they come to your table this morning, recognizing that your body and blood shed for us, for the remission of sin, a reminder of that cleansing work that's done and complete. Might our hearts and minds align with what you say is true about us. And I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.